The royalty of college football is in assembly. What can you say? They, they were fired up. They played like they were on, you know, cocaine sandwiches the whole game. Two sides. You never go against at home. The Russian Army and Notre Dame. 50-45. Welcome back to Shooting the Breeze. I'm your host, Mike. Excuse me, sir. No, the pretzels, they're, they're two for one. I'm, uh, I'm double booking a, a shift here at a New York City coffee cart because unfortunately we are taking on water at historic proportions, another three and six week. Actually, we're going to be honest with ourselves, the four and six week because uh, Matt can dig up the audio file where it said throw a half unit on the Arizona State money line. That's the only thing keeping me in the black. Unfortunately, this podcast, yes, yeah, yeah, sir, we do not have any white claws. I, you can be breaking the law while drinking a claw. Just keep that in mind. Anyway, I just want to get this back on track for a podcast. We uh, picked someone from Ryan Camp, from Matt Mitchell, from myself. Hopefully, we can get this going in a positive direction before I hit the road for Madison, Wisconsin. going to be taking in the Badgers and the Wolverines at Camp Randall. So hopefully, that's going to give me some good juju. Uh, Matt, anything that we can do to reverse this trend? Coming to the buckle of America's dairy belt is a good first start. And uh, I just drink a lot. Yeah, I, I think getting a few Moon Men beers in me. What is that? New New Glasses? Is that the name of the brewing company? New Glarus. New Glarus, yeah. I, I feel like getting a few of those in me, you know, maybe some cheese curds, uh, potentially, you know, raising my, my overall cholesterol level, fucking with my BMI, whatever I can do to kind of change the dynamic. I think that's probably for the best. And if we're going to talk about changing dynamics, I'm going to jump right into my first pick. I like over 62 and a half in LSU Vanderbilt. And the reason is that LSU has completely changed their dynamic after it seems like 20 years of conservative offense, save for maybe a half season of Jamarcus Russell. They finally made the decision to spread it out, to fully commit to it, to give the keys of the offense to Joe Burrow. He's been delivering for the first month of the season. And I think in this particular game, you can count on them scoring the upper 30s, maybe lower 40s. But the real, the real reason that I like the over 62 and a half is I think Vandy is a little bit of a sleeping giant on offense. When you look at their skill position players, I mentioned in previous podcasts, Keyshawn Vaughn is due for, for kind of a breakout game. They got Lipscomb at a wide receiver, Jared Pinckney at tight end. I think if they get a little bit better quarterback play, I like them to score near 20 points in this game, and then I think that's easily going to push this total over. Where do you come down on this uh, SEC intersectional battle? Doing anything that supports betting on uh... – LSU to score points this, this season, I think it's going is to, is a good idea. I think it's going to take lines makers a, a number of weeks to adjust for, like you said, a completely new offensive identity for LSU and a legitimate star quarterback in Joe Burrow. All right. So sitting here in week four, what's the game or, you know, whether it's point spread against the spread, uh, total money line, upset, underdog, however you want to play some dice this first half, prop that. What's your number one pick of week four, man? It's actually coming to us this very evening. I like the under of 57 and a half in tonight's uh, Houston two-lane game. These are two teams with uh, reputations for overs and for running uh, pretty quickly. Uh, when in actuality this season, both are running fairly uh, tepid pace of plays. Under Dana Holgerson, Houston's running unusually initially, uh, as seen in their last several games. And combined, these teams are under in five of their six contests. 57 and a half is an awful lot. Uh, for the pace that these two teams play. Um, I don't believe Willie Fritz, who is a complete psychopath, is calling the offensive plays anymore for uh, for Tulane. He's given that to an OC. So I, I expect, uh, I mean, even one slow quarter, and this number is going to be difficult to reach, and I think in a, what's going to end up being 
um, kind of a fist fight. Uh, I think uh, 56 is probably the, the highest uh, point total we could expect in this one. I could jump into the intricacies and the differences between Kendall Bryles' offense and Dana Holgerson's air raid offense. But instead, I'd like to ask a different question. In this particular game, it's a color rush opportunity for Tulane. They're going with their mm-hmm. North Carolina baby blue throwback 1950s helmets. Are you a believer in, you know, 18 to 22-year-olds getting hyped, you know, for a special jersey or playing in memory of someone, any of those psychological factors? I mean, I think this particular game, their, their color rushers should be an abomination. That They should just wear all whites with the angry wave logo only. That should be Tulane's official um, uh, uniform for all sports. They have one of the best um, alternate logos in all of college football. Don't know why they want to hide it under a bushel basket. But to answer your question, yeah, I do think there is a psychological edge, uh, specifically for mid-tier programs like Tulane, for these uh, these games in which they get to wear special colorful outfits. I know it. I know it certainly motivated me in college. All right, I'm going to try to move a few conditions here out of my coffee cart and uh, to buy some time. We're going to pitch it over to Ryan Camp for his three picks for week number four. Hey, thanks, Mike. Maybe this week we'll fucking turn it around. I don't know. I'm totally at sea here. Not only did I go out on a limb and pick two aggressive overs with four teams that fucking hate defense and love points. I told everyone about it at the wedding I was at last weekend. So I got to watch live with them as I think both of those games didn't hit one over, let alone two of them. That was a tough one. But we soldier on. Like Matt said last week, the fucking worst thing you could do is to stop betting. We're just going to fight our way through this. So last week was the week of underthinking. This week is going to be the week of overthinking. Let's see what we can find. I want to reward the universe for giving us football on a Friday night, so I chose one of those games to pick. I'm looking at the under in the 8 p.m. Florida International La Tech game. That's at 51-5 right now. I think La Tech is a fine defense. Gave up 30 points or less in every game last year, except when they played LSU at Mississippi State. Fair. Same goes for FIU. Not terrible. Sometimes overmatched against good opponents, but generally fine under Butch Davis. I like Jamar Smith, the La Tech quarterback. He's had a nice start to the year, but we've seen that from him before. I get the feeling that last year's 10 interceptions aren't fully behind him, so I'm not sure what to think of him. James Morgan on the other side of the ball had a great year last year. But he's hurt. He may not play. Kalen Wiggins, his backup, got the start against UNH. Wiggins is a totally different style of quarterback, more dual threat to Morgan's pro-style passing. And I'm not really sure how the offense is going to click when they have to play an actual FBS opponent. With no standout running backs on either side, I think this game is more like 21-17, 24-17. And I think that could go either way. It just feels low scoring to me. That gives you... 10 to 14 points under the total at that level. So I feel pretty comfortable with this. I I like the under there. Second one, how about another spite play since my Temple Maryland pick was the only one that hit hit last week. I could not hate this Vandy team more. They always get the benefit of the doubt in the preseason, much like Tennessee, and then they always fucking choke it away. The public and the money are both on LSU. Slid the line from 21 to 23 and a half. But the totals also moved up five and a half points. So that means we went from an implied score of 49-7 LSU to an implied score of 55-8. to If everyone thinks LSU has 50 to 55 points in them, that means I have to be worried about Vandy scoring four touchdowns to cover. They've scored three touchdowns in two games, and they're going to magically unscuttle this ship against LSU? Get the fuck out of here. 
based on their early season performance, LSU's early defensive performance, and the average TDs scored per game across all of FBS for the last three years, I put that at about a 2% chance after I stayed up way too late cranking on some spreadsheets last night. By the way, if you flip that around, I give LSU a chance of about six, or a chance of, by the way, if you flip that around, I give the chance of LSU scoring six or more touchdowns about 90%. LSU is starting to smell blood in the playoff race, wants to boost Joe Burrow's Heisman resume, Tigers all day. And then the last one, Saturday, 730, I like OK State on the money line to beat Texas on the road. Texas is not ready for Chuba Hubbard. It looks like no one's ready for Chuba. LSU's top running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, has 182 rushing yards on the season, and that's the best running back that Texas has faced. Spencer Sanders has more rushing yards than that, and he's the Cowboys' QB and shares a backfield with the nation's leading rusher. They'll try to stop the run, and Sanders can fight that off with a cool 10 yards per attempt and 67% completion percentage. The question is, can OK State slow down Ellinger? OK State's forced five turnovers so far and has six sacks. Ellinger hasn't thrown a pick, but he has been sacked six times. If they can get in there with Agbanga Big Man or whatever his name is, I like OK State a lot here. Quickly indexing their scoring and defense against the three-year average, I have this game at about 44-40 OK State. On average, Bill Connolly actually protects it as a 34-34 tie using his more sophisticated S&P+. But I feel that feels right to me. I think this has the chance to be a shootout with maybe a late one late, very similar to the LSU-Texas game. But I like Oklahoma State's offense, especially how they match up against Texas's run defense with the Cowboys being able to pull off the upset. Money lines move down a little bit. The line is now only plus five and a half on the spread for the Cowboys. I still see plus 175 on the money line. I think that's really good value for a pretty good chance here for the Cowboys on the road. All right, best of luck to you boys. Hopefully, hopefully, we can get this thing back in the right direction. Ryan, I appreciate you buying me a little extra time. I feel like I'm getting some of that uh, lost income back. Now, swinging some coffee and uh, $1 pretzels here in the shadow of Madison Square Garden. But what I'd like to do is get back on track for our final two picks of this week, Matt. I'll go first. I'll make this one simple. There's nothing that makes me feel more superior, smugger, than really nailing a Big Ten under. And the fact that Odds makers think that 38 and a half is going to scare me away from the under in Michigan State Northwestern. Oh, you were mistaken. I watched all four quarters of that Arizona State Michigan State game. And to be honest, Arizona State had a lot more going offensively than this Northwestern team. So the fact that I can go under 38 and a half, I think it's, it's my second favorite pick of the week. But I'm almost leaning now when you look at 34 and a half, you can get plus 175 on your money if you go under that number. I'm going to go ahead with that. So Double down on this, under 38 and a half between the Spartans and Wildcats, and also the exotic of under 34 and a half at plus 175. Going to block both of those bets in. What do you think about baiting this really horrendous Michigan State offense when pairing it with a really ferocious defense led by just its nation's defensive line for D'Antonio? How do I feel about it? I hate it. In fact, I hate it so much that it is my second pick is over 38 and a half in that contest. I think this is a perfect opportunity to buy low, literally, on, on two teams coming off of pretty sluggish starts offensively and perhaps the low watermark for Michigan State football in the last five years, perhaps. They, they just couldn't have looked more hapless last game, although I will point out that they pretty easily um, 
uh, outgained Arizona State in that in that contest. And the, the fact that they did not win is, is still a mystery. But I think we're going to see the Michigan State team that dropped 51 on Western Michigan, the Northwestern team that just dropped um, 30 in their last contest. I, I think Hunter Johnson, Brian Lewerke, I think, you know, 42, 45 points is, is kind of a, a minimum I would expect in this one. And again, I, I think looks can be deceiving in college football. And I, I think it's really tempting to just imagine a 17-10 football game, but there's just so little that needs to go right to get both teams to put up 20 that I'm actually going to go the opposite direction. And I'd be looking to, to take alternate overs to try to get, uh, you know, a, a plus 150 or plus 200 uh, situation. All right. Everything in vogue right now with video games is, you know, about customization and particularly with, with Madden 20, they're looking at the Madden ultimate team where you can get cards and you can kind of assemble almost a fantasy roster, but on the virtual gridiron. So the fact that you think this game is going to go over, I'm going to go ahead and give you the option. If you could throw two former Michigan State alumni onto their offense in this game, who are you going with? I'm just going to throw out some names. You stop me when you feel comfortable. TJ Duckett, Jeff Smoker, Tony Banks, Yashin Muhammad. I mean, I mean, I think we all know I'm going to go with Jeff Smoker edging out Tony Banks um, only because it felt like Jeff Smoker played there for, uh, for nine or ten full seasons. And then uh, Plexico Burris, the man who was, uh, who was famously listed as like at like six eleven in their in their program guide. So those those are the two I go with. All right, what's your final pick for week four? I'm jumping back on UNC. Um, perhaps one of the most bizarre and uniquely collegiate endings of the college football season that we'll see all all year. Last week when UNC faced Wake and uh, they kind of ran the clock out on themselves, but not really. I think UNC now with an extra day's rest. Um, facing um, App State, they're only laying two and a half. They're at home. App State, you know, under a new regime, they've only played Tennessee State and UNC Charlotte. And I know UNC Charlotte is, is nothing to, to sneeze at, but you know, they got into a legitimate gunfight with them with 49ers last week, 56-41. I think UNC laying under a uh, field goal, returning back home. I think we're going to see. Uh, I think they're clearly a class better. Than App State, and that's another one I'd look to. I'd look to lay an alternate line if I could find it, but two and a half is too good to pass up. For my final pick here in Week Four, I think one of the harder lessons of the Shooting the Breeze podcast is to not get tied too emotionally with the outcomes of previous weeks. And I understand where you were coming from in the opener, taking Duke plus the points against Alabama. I certainly understood the logic of Arkansas State catching a ton against Georgia. The fact that those is on cash, I don't think really diminishes the opportunity in some of these really big dogs in non-conference play. And when I'm looking at Southern Miss catching 39 and a half points against Alabama, what strikes me is that this is a known quantity and the known quantity being Southern Miss's passing game under Jack Abraham thrown to Quez Watkins in particular is really strong. Is it going to be that strong against Alabama? Absolutely not. Is it still going to be able to throw for 200, 250 yards, maybe throw 10, 14 points on the board? I think so. And I think as the season progresses and they look to get, you know, a little bit deeper into their depth chart, a little bit more playing experience for their second and third stringers, I think you're going to see less of uh, a bloodlust from Nick Saban as the season goes on, particularly with the SEC schedule coming up. I believe he has Ole Miss on deck. It's only human nature to kind of be looking ahead. So 39 and a half seems like four numbers, four and a half points over that key number of, of five touchdowns. What, what do you think about going back to the well here and seeing if we can finally get a win on one of these big underdogs? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. I believe New Mexico State covered last week late. Uh, yeah, I, I think taking these enormous numbers um, 
betting against Alabama where you, you get to see them absolutely kick the shot of somebody. Um, you know, kind of both sides win. If you think Alabama's going to kick the shot of them, yeah, of course they are. They're, they're Alabama. But at some point, there's a number they, they just can't. There's just not enough time for them, for them to, to pour it on like this if they, if they punt even a couple times. So if the other team can just limit the number of turnovers they have, simply forcing Alabama to actually physically drive all the way down the field gives you a really good shot of, of cashing with numbers this big. Reminder to our audience that you can write us at shootingthebreeze at gmail.com as well as tweeting us over at eastbreeze, that's E-A-S-C-B-R-E-E-S-E. And of course, you can find our original landing page over at SoundCloud, that's Shooting the Breeze, and anywhere fine podcasts are sold. And if you'd like to uh, get the special, 37th and 7th Avenue, I'm happy to hook you up with a cronut and a frappuccino. Just kidding, go fuck yourself. I'm only selling piping hot coffee and $1.75 uh, regular sugar donuts. So come on by, give a little money to the gambling fund, see if we can't get this going in the right direction. Final thoughts for you, Matt, before uh, really college football turns to conference play. So this can be the last week of the unbalanced up and down non-conference plays that can be kind of difficult to bet on. That's right. Yeah, kind of enjoy these last, uh, these last, these last matchup of bizarre teams facing each other and the last thing in, in pacing uh, plates full of teams that might not play each other again for 20 years. So um, you know, really savor it because it'll, it'll be a long time till we see it again. For Matt Mitchell and Ryan Camp, I'm Mike Calabrese. He's been shooting the breeze. Enjoy yourself this weekend. Be sure to get hydrated before uh, college game day because you're going to need to uh, pack it in for a very long day of drinking, some in- interesting non-conference battles, and I will be enjoying, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the battle between Wisconsin and Michigan at Camp Randall. Happy to uh, throw up some pictures on Instagram as the action's going down. Thank you so much for listening, and please check in next week. Hopefully we're celebrating some positive returns for you. Have a good one.